And tonight, the Angel Imperative, Part 2. Jerry Lee, standing in for the Manifester. This should be an interesting night. Open up your minds, open up your hearts, and let's listen to the Word of God. Because I want to minister this Word to you that heaven knows. It is interesting today that there are so many, many preachers out there preaching and warning. Oh, be careful. The Bible says there be many come in my name, claiming they're the Christ, and uh, they'll be preaching something different. Oh, be careful. Oh, be careful. And you've got hundreds and thousands of these kind of people preaching that, very ignorant of the fact that the things they are preaching are the very things that are not the truth. And that they are saying these things about the coming of the Lord, and have been saying them for years, making a fool out of the church, a fool out of the scriptures, a fool out of the word of God, and a fool out of the prophets. And they're doing this all in the name of Christ, which is like, look, we're in the Christ order, we're in the Christ body, we're telling you the truth. But there's just a lot of people. Now, are these people damned? Are they, are they bad people? No, they're not. There are people that are teaching these things. Maybe they've been in churches that taught it, and they were raised up with those ideas from, from kids, from just children. And many of these people are sincere, and many of these people are good people. But it doesn't change the fact that there are people out there preaching in the name of Jesus and not preaching what the Bible says. And today we're going to open the Word of God, and you're going to hear it the way it is really, really written. And if you want to know the truth and be set free, you'll listen to this teaching. If you are already offended, well, then that, that is your right to go wherever you want to go to have to not listen. God bless you, though, because the Bible says, Blessed are those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Turn with me to the Second Thessalonians of Paul, the Apostle. And let us begin in chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering unto him. What is this subject about? This is the, this is the, the title of the chapter. What is it about? It's about, let's get it straight, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our gathering unto him. So let's not make that to be something else. Let's not change that to be a secondary, thirdary topic. It is the main topic of this chapter, and it's about exclusively the coming of the Lord and our gathering unto him. And Paul is writing and he's saying, I beseech you. This is an emphasis of how important it is to believe these things that he's just getting ready to say. And he's telling us what the subject is about. It's about the coming of the Lord, Jesus Christ. So we know exactly who we're talking about. It's not some other Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. And about our gathering unto him. I mean, pretty difficult to get that too confused. Now it says that you, that you may not, uh, that, that you be not soon shaken in mind. He's writing this epistle so that people will not be soon shaken in mind. Well, what about the songs that people sing? He's coming soon. Well, he's coming soon. We know he's coming soon. 
And do people get shaken on that? Well, they do in a lot of churches and a lot of places that teach it. Because they don't understand what soon means. They don't understand the, the timing of the Lord. They don't understand what the Scripture really says and how it says it. So, when they begin to read these different words and they begin to put them into human uh, vernacular and interpret them in human timing, then they begin to believe that soon means something of a certain nature and that immediate means something of a certain nature. And they don't think, you know, that some of these things which are clearly uh, delivered and spoken by the Holy Spirit. And like Jesus, who the Bible declares, never spoke to the multitudes without using a parable. So that there was always this parabolic sense of, of, of understanding these things. And that you couldn't just take them in their, in their simplest order without being skewed as to what the real intent of meaning was. So it's very, very, very important and serious that we understand what God is saying. Don't be soon shaken in mind. I wonder how many people out there are shaken in mind right now. There's millions of the people out there call, calling themselves Christians, and they're shaken in mind. They're politically shaken. They, they are uh, doctrinally shaken. They are into the world uh, afraid and scared shaken. They are 2012 full of, of all kinds of apprehension shaken. There's all kinds of people in this world today that are operating under the name of Jesus. And you're saying, watch out for these other people that are not going to tell you the truth. Watch out. Be aware of them. There's false prophets out there. All the time not being aware that the very opposite of truth is coming out of their mouth because they are not teaching what the Word of God says. Now, I've come here to make straight those crooked paths. I've come here on this Word to preach this gospel in the way that the Holy Spirit intends it for you to understand. So I'm hoping that you understand that and, and um, um, that you can uh, follow these words in the clarity of what I am speaking. Okay, so let's go on. And, and I'm not saying that in a condemning or ostracizing or putting down way. God knows that I love those the brothers and the sisters out there who believe the way they believe erroneously. Nevertheless, I have a job. And my job is to come out in the Word of God and manifest it which means to bring it to light. And that's what I'm intending to do here today, this evening. That you be not soon shaken in mind. These are the kind of things that reminisce of the teachings of Jesus Christ, who said something very similar to that, which we will be reading here in Matthew 24 soon. Someone says, Oh, I've got this by the Spirit. I've got it by the Spirit. I know. I know, really. Well, let me read the rest of this. Verse 2. 2 Thessalonians. Okay. Verse 2. 2 Thessalonians. 
that you be not soon shaken in mind, or, or, be troubled, neither by spirit. <clears throat> Someone says, I got it by the spirit. Oh, is that right? Then why is the spirit giving you, giving you disruption and, and, and fear and, and mental torment, nightmares? It's because the Bible says sometimes people ask and they ask amiss. And they don't really receive the true Word of God. And the Bible says, I don't want you to be soon shaken in mind, or I don't want you troubled by the Spirit, because the Spirit is not going to trouble you on this. <clears throat> if you're out there preaching, saying, the Spirit is telling me this. Oh, is it ever bad? Oh, is it ever disastrous? Oh, is it a cataclysmic disaster just about to hit any moment? We're just at the end. You better get ready. You better do what's right. Make an offering to the church right now so we can leave some money behind for our friends. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be shaken by the Spirit. Don't come to me and tell me something about you're receiving by, by the Spirit and, and, and you aren't into the camp of the Prince of Peace. Don't come and tell it to me because I'm not into that groove. It says, nor by word. <laughs> and that word includes the Word of God. People start coming out there and they're, they're getting people shook up in mind. By the, by, see, it's by the Spirit. Or they say, this is the Word of God. And just in case you don't understand that it does mean the Bible, it says, nor by letter from us, which is like the epistles and that Paul sent, and, and, and you know, all, all the various letters to, to the seven churches of the book of Revelation. I mean, you know, the Bible's made up a lot, of a lot of that. Since it doesn't matter who that's doing this. You say, well, what's the subject? Well, it said it right up here in the first topic. As to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering unto him. But it repeats it again at the end of the second verse, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Don't do that, as that the day of Christ is at hand business. The Christ of the day of Christ is at hand, I know it by the Spirit. He says, No, 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 no. Oh, the day of Christ is at hand, I know it by the Word. No, 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 no. That's against the Word of God. That's against the Bible. That's against the teachings of the Bible. Nor by the epistles. Oh, I've got it from the epistle here. Straight from Paul. No, 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 no. Paul denies that. That the day of Christ is at hand. Someone say, what's well, the day of the Lord? No, it's not the day of the Lord. Day of the Lord is a different issue. We're not preaching on that today. This is the day of Christ. Don't change the word to something else. This day of Christ has already been defined in the first topic by the coming of our Lord unto Jesus Christ, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering unto Him. That's what the subject is, and that's what this is talking about. Not the destructive day of the Lord thing. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. 
I was listening to someone on video here the other day, a fairly, I guess, well-recognized minister, and he was preaching, he was saying that when this falling away comes, there will be a total falling away. And I'm sorry. I don't know if I should say I'm sorry or not, but I'm sorry that you are, you are wrong, that, there's no, that the Bible does not teach that. That is not the Word of God. Why do you want to put a hook into the Word of God and put something that it doesn't say? It says it's going to be a falling away. Just the fact that it says it's going to be a falling away means there's going to be others left. That's the whole idea. And the Bible teaches in the Old Testament that there is a sacred tenth, an untouchable. That's Bible. There will always be a sacred tenth. There will always be like the, God told the prophet, I've got 7,000 other prophets that have never bowed their, their, their knees to Baal. There will always be those sacred tenth persons. It's not going to be a total falling away, so don't teach that. That's the meaning to the, to, to, to the Spirit of God. That's the meaning to, to the election of God. Oh, the power of Satan is so powerful, his false prophet, his false antichrist is going to be so powerful that it's just going to inundate and just destroy everything that God has done. And everybody that's ever heard the word is just going to fall away like nothing because of this powerful person. That is not what the Bible teaches. It's not a total falling away, but it is a falling away. And it'll be like a field of seed that has grown up as, as wheat, but that the devil has sowed the tares in between the wheat. And the Lord said, don't try to pull those out now. Just leave them to grow up with the wheat. At least you tear out some of the wheat with them. Sure, there's going to be a falling away. A lot of those people that are growing out there in churches and among the wheat, you know, they never were planted by God. They're going to be pulled out. And there will be some people that that never got the the deep anointing within them. They didn't have any root, and they'll fall away. But the people that have really been dug in to the Word of God and anointed by the Word of God, they're not going to fall away no matter what happens. There's always been those people that were not even afraid of death to the point of refusing to fall away. So let us not teach something false, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be a following, following, a following uh, of God uh, uh, that will come out of any fall, fall away or falling away. And it is connected with a conjunction. And that particular person, man of sin, be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Well, he can't do that right now, can he? Because there is no temple of God. Ever since the Romans destroyed the temple, it's never been rebuilt. All those many, many years since the Roman Empire. There is no temple. There is no temple. So he can't sit in the temple saying he's God. It's not going to happen until there is a temple. And that temple, according to the Word of God, all through the Old Testament, into the New, is that it has to be built on Mount Moriah. And right now, there's, there's a Muslim mosque sitting there. And the remains of the old temple is partly underneath it. 
Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Don't get soon shaken up. Don't get soon carried away with these people out there blowing trumpets and, and raising flags and saying, Oh, look what's going on now in Egypt. A week before that thing uh, went into a final uh, um, uh, victory stance where, where the regime stepped down and, and, uh, and people were left with a new possibility, I said, I don't believe in, in making this an end of the war. I put this on Facebook a week before that happened. I don't believe in making this an end of the world uh, uh, thing, uh, connection. I believe that actually there could be something very good come out of this. And that's what I do believe. <clears throat> wow. Are you hanging in there? <clears throat> Verse 3, it says it. Don't let anyone deceive you by any means. That day shall not come. It cannot come, ladies and gentlemen. What day? Go back to first verse. By the coming of our Lord and the gathering together unto Him. As if that day of Christ is at hand, verse 2. That's what the subject is. That is what the Bible is teaching. And that day, the Bible says, can not come. Don't let any man deceive you by any man. It doesn't matter if he's a preacher. It doesn't matter if he's a priest. <clears throat> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he's using the word of the Bible. <clears throat> doesn't matter if he's, if he's saying that it's by the Spirit that he received it. If it's contrary to the Word, then there's something wrong with that message. Wow. 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 Are you hearing me? Are you listening to this deeply? Wow. Verse 3, let's read it again. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. <clears throat> I'm preaching the Bible. I'm reading the Bible to you. That day shall not come. It's not coming. It's not coming. Until these things happen, shall not come. Except there come a falling away first. And someone said, well, that falling away has been going on all the time. That's not the falling away that it's talking about. It connects it to the man of sin being revealed, the son of perdition. And that is a whole teaching. And he's going to uh, uh, be full of the, the opposition uh, against the Christians and the Jews. <coughs> and um, he's, he's um, going to be against uh, you know, all that is called God. Or that is worshipped. And he's going to be seated in the temple. Showing that he is God. And that everybody else worshipping another God is wrong. Wow. And now you know what withholdeth. That he might be revealed in his time. Oh, I've, there's all kinds of things been made out of that statement right there. But it's telling you what withhold What withholdeth what? The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering unto Him. 
Now you know what withholdeth. There's people turn that into something to do with the rapture. But, though indirectly it is, what it's really talking about here, though, is the coming of the Lord and our gathering to Him, and that that day cannot come, and that is being withheld from coming until, as it says, let no man deceive you, that day cannot come, verse 3, except or until there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who's going to sit in the temple, and the temple's going to be rebuilt. Wow. Verse 7, yeah, there is a mystery of iniquity already at work. Just like the Bible says in John, I believe it is, even now there are many antichrists. <clears throat> but the, the Bible says in verse 8, and then, and then when? And then, when this man of perdition is revealed, and there's a great falling away, and he's sitting in the temple. That's the then. That that wicked person is going to be revealed. Whom the Lord will consume with the spirit of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming when that does happen. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. <clears throat> and for this cause God sent them strong delusions, that they should believe a lie. It is so important that you, you get into the camp of, of believing, because it is so easy to have a delusion. And it's so easy to, while you are in a delusion, to be preaching. Watch out for those that are teaching, that are teaching deception. Watch out for those that are not teaching the truth. I've got this by the Spirit. I've got this by the Word. And in fact, they are the very ones that are deceived. And they're worrying about other people that might be deceiving. And they are deceived. And they are telling others and deceiving others. Because they are in a delusion of the Word. It's a damnable thing. It has belittled the prophecy of the Bible. It has belittled the Bible. It has weakened the church. <clears throat> it has made fools of the Word of God in respect to those who are teaching it that way. There is a division. And the first Thessalonians, and in the fifth chapter, in the fifth verse, it says, Ye are the children of light and the children of day. And we are not of the night nor of the darkness or the children of darkness. There's a division between the children of light and the children of, of, of darkness. How do we know? The children of light are the ones that have the truth. The children of darkness do not have the truth. You can tell yourself wonderful and call each other brother and I love you and, and, and you, you that can be true, that part of it. But if you haven't got the truth, you haven't got it. And you're in darkness. And there was all kinds of people that had all kinds of good intention that were included 
in in the in the Gospel of John when it says that the light shone in darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. There were people that were included in that darkness comprehended it not, that considered that they were believers. <coughs> Excuse me. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of Jesus. You don't want to be a part of that, ladies and gentlemen. You do not. Now, what is this message about? Well, it's called the angel imperative. And as I explained last week, imperative means essential, urgent. So angels are an essential, urgent order of entities to which our lives are connected and our future is attached. And Luke 20.36 speaks about that one day we'll become equal with the angels. So those are all awesome and beautiful things to know and to believe. They're so very, very important. <clears throat> well, the Bible says, in Matthew 17.11, I believe it is, Jesus answered unto them and said, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. In another place, he said, Elijah has come, and you didn't know who he was. Now, Elijah has come, and he was to restore all things. Then what do we say to that? Was, were all things restored? If all things were restored, then what was Paul doing when he wrote in Acts 3, 20 through 21? And he said, and He shall send Jesus Christ, which, which was before preached unto you, whom the heavens must, must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of His holy prophets since the world began. Everything that was prophesied, everything that was spoken by the holy prophets since the, since the world began is all part of what has to come into the restitution of all things. So if the restitution of all things has not happened, which is equal to the, to the restoration of all things, then did Elijah fail? Or was the act of what, what John the Baptist as Elijah did an act of faith and grace planted as an election? Well, I, I think we have to take it that way. I think we have to understand. It's sort of like when the Lord told Abraham to walk the land. And that, that would be a symbol of the, of the land that would eventually become uh, um, real estate of the children of Israel. Wherever you walk, that's going, to be, that's going to be the land. So he walked it. But at that time, he didn't get possession of it. At that time, the, the people that later were considered enemies were not, were not uh, kicked out of, the, out of the land. But it was an act of faith. And so we have to consider that that is what happened when Elijah. But we have to also understand that that restitution, that restoration has not happened yet. Has not happened yet. And according to the Bible, Christ is being held in heaven where he must be received until the times of restitution of all things. Now, what does it tell us in Daniel 9? What does it tell us? Well, it talks about something 
in the ninth chapter in the 24th verse. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Wow. You realize what a mouthful of prophecy that that is? Can you imagine to finish transgression? No more transgression? To make an end of sins? No more sins? To make a reconciliation for all iniquity? Well, that's the restitution of all things that it's talking about here in Acts 3, 20 through 21. Emphasizing especially verse 21, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. Wow. This Bible is a Word of God. It's a Word of God, ladies and gentlemen. And when you understand it correctly, then it is such a beautiful, accurate thing. But when people start getting it mixed up, sometimes beginning with even the translations. Now let's go to chapter 24. Let's go to chapter 24. We have so much to share with you tonight. So much. Let's, before we get into chapter 24, let's talk about Matthew 16, 28. It says, There shall be some standing here. Jesus is talking to some of the people standing there. Some of their, some, there shall be some of you standing here who shall not taste of death until they see the Son of Man coming to his kingdom. And so there have been people that have been really concerned and, and questionable about that particular um, verse. Because the Son of Man hadn't returned and one by one all of the prophets who were standing there, all of the disciples who were standing there, They tasted death. But it, it, it is sad that there is a mis, mistranslation there. Because the um, in um, Strong's condition, uh, Dictionary uh, Greek Concordance, and referring to number 2064, That particular part there is very important to understand that as a verb, it is to be used only in the present tense. Something that is happening right then, not something that's going to happen in the past or something that's going to happen in the future. Now, understanding that, when you look at 2464 in the concordance, 
you'll understand that the same Greek word that they translated to, to uh, uh, you know, about his coming also translates to the to his going. And that would have been in the proper tense. That would have been happening then. So when you read it, there shall be some standing here who shall not taste of death until they see the Son of Man leaving for his kingdom. Where in the 14th chapter John, he says, I must go away to the Father's house. I must go away. Now that makes sense. And that's what the Bible really is intended to say. And in the Peace Bible, that is what it will say. Now, Matthew 24, 34, we'll be getting to that. But let's just look at it here singularly at this moment. This generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. How people are looking out there at all the individuals that are standing out there, the generation alive on the, on the earth at that time. And they're saying, well, this generation is not going to pass. And you know, John was a disciple that lived for a long, long time. He's very old. And they, tradition says, carried him around on, their, on his shoulders when he got so old he couldn't get around very good on his own. Because they thought, well, you know, he's the last of them. He, he, he's not going to die because all these things are going to be fulfilled before that generation dies. But it didn't turn out to be that way because that was a misinterpretation. Because one of the words it means, just as simple as it means generation, it's, it's a prophecy about Israel, this nation, especially about Judea. And it should read, this nation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. Time's going to go on, ladies and gentlemen, for a long, long time. And I know you think the end of the world is coming any day, any time coming in 2012, but it's not. And time isn't going to end in a short while. And most all you people are listening to this broadcast will pass on. And the world will still be going on. And all these things that you, you feared about if you were of, of those persons and were trembling about will turn out to have been in vain will have turned out to have been part of those things that were really into deception. It was never the way that it was taught. It was never the intended meaning. But even the translators were affected by how people believed. Yes, I, I believe that the, that the Jewish nation is going to exist right up to the end of time, no matter how long that is. And I believe the Scripture is saying that, that that nation is going to survive. Oh, does that mean that it might, it won't be defeated in, uh, for a long time? Oh, hey, Israel has been a nation, and Nebuchadnezzar all, all but destroyed it. Uh, it's, it. They've had all kinds of destructions, and practically all but ceased to be. And it happened again with the Roman Empire. And it could happen again and again and again. 
but they will always survive and they'll always become, become a nation again. And they'll be there in the end of time. Don't, don't come to me and say, oh, did you know like in 1949 or etc. that this fulfilled the prophecy because now Israel's been a nation again? Yeah, and they may fail to be a nation at some point and, and, uh, and then become, another, become a nation again. There's scripture in there for that. Wow. I hope you get this all down. Those things are so absolutely important. The angel imperative. This thing about angels is so important. The Bible says in the 12th chapter of the book of Revelations that the tail of the dragon drew one-third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. Because there was only one-third cast, that means there was two-thirds that did, were not cast down. We have three holies, holy, holy, holy. We have three groups of angels, the seraphim, the cherubim, and the ophanim. One-third of those three groups of angels were cast to the earth. And that third, and that third, ladies and gentlemen, was the Ophanim. Now, in Genesis 22:17, God speaking to Abraham, "Thy seed shall be as the stars for number." And that was Abraham or his offspring he was referring to there. Thy, thy seed shall be as stars for number. So we see that the word star does represent human beings. Job thirty-eight seventeen said, Sons of God, the morning stars sing together. Psalms 147.4 said that he telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by their names. Revelations 5.14 And I heard the voice of many angels around about the throne, and the beast, and the, and the elders. Wow. And there was, there was the redeemed of God. You know, out of every kindred and tongue, and people and nation. And 5.9 says, And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. Or myriad, which means 10,000. From the Greek word myrius, meaning 10,000. So we take the 10,000 times 10,000. You've got quite a number there. That's 10-4 by 10-4 equals 10-8, eight, eight zeros. This figure gives you two multiplication factors. Factor 1 is 10-4. The 4 is a, a super note. So it's, the, it's above. Supra. 
And factor two is the product of ten super four super super four four times four, which is hundred and uh, which is ten super four eight, which is ten uh, super eight. And you take the thousands of the word of is a multiplication indicator. And when you make that multiplication of the thousands and the ten thousands. And you multiply that factor and the uh, one and the factor two, <coughs> which is the ten high four, ten times ten high eight, and you get ten high twelve, which is twelve zeros. Twelve zeros. Well, what does that have to do? Well, there there's a meaning. There's a meaning to all of that. Now, there is a difference between Britain in zeros and, and U.S. We're going to take the U.S. zeros. So if you're talking a thousand, you're going to get three zeros. If you're talking a million, you got six zeros. If you're talking a billion, you got nine zeros. If you're talking a trillion, you got twelve zeros. A quadrillion is 15 zeros, and a quintillion is 18 zeros, and a sextillion is 21 zeros, and a septillion is 24 zeros, and, a, and an octillion is 27 zeros. But 12 zeros is a trillion. So we came to understand that there was a trillion of these ophanims that was involved with this war in heaven and that were involved with this fall. And in Revelations 2.28, it's speaking to him and it says, to, to him that overcomes, I will give the morning star. You'll become equal with the angels again. Second Peter 1.19 says the same thing. Let the day star, which is the morning star, arise in your hearts. It's already there in you, because that's who you are, who your spirit is. But let it arise in your hearts. Daniel says, chapter 12, verse 3, They that be wise shall shine as the stars forever. And Revelation 6, 13 says, And the stars of heaven fell to the earth. And it's not talking about regular stars, because one star, which is like a sun and greater, cannot fit on this earth. <laughs> I explained that last week. And I told you already the dragon in the in chapter 12 cast down one-third of the, of the stars of heaven. Now, there's a great confusion and fear and misteaching. Once again, we've got this these false teachings that are going on. People say, oh, well, be careful. Those stars that fell down, they became devils. They're devils. So if you get into this thing where you believe that um, you get into this thing where you believe that that, um, the, that the fallen angels are devils, then uh, you you can't come into the truth. You can't come into the truth because you you've been taught a deception. Because it's only a partial truth when you when you have that. Because not all all of the demons that fell became became demons. Now, pardon me, not all the angels that fell became demons.
Jude 13 talks about the wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. There's differences in the groups. Jude 14.15 says, Behold, the Lord cometh to execute judgment and to convince all that are ungodly am among them of their ungodly deeds. Why is he doing that for? Just to say, aha, I told you so. You're in hell and you're getting what you deserve. No. And Peter, that Jesus went down and preached to those people that were sometimes disobedient during the, the days of the flood of, uh, prior to the flood of, of Noah. Why did he go down there to say, aha, I told you so? No, he went down there to set some of them free. The Bible says that he did do that. He descended, and then he ascended, and he set, he brought the captive out, this Bible. The angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He's reserved in everlasting chains unto darkness. Or as Colossians 2.19 calls it, it's called bands. It's, it's the bands from which all the body and the joints are knit together. It's this Tartaru that the Bible translates as hell in Peter. We fell into, <clears throat> into matter, into the bands of this of this everlasting darkness of, 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 the, mor of the mortal uh, uh, human life. And the Bible says that, that that human mortal life, that body of flesh and blood, can not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That is a forever darkness and blackness. That does not mean, though, <clears throat> that you cannot be cast into the belly of the whale. You cannot be cast into darkness and then come out of it. For we know that, as the Bible says, that there was all kinds of people when Jesus came and preached the word that did not comprehend, did not comprehend what he had to say. And that, and that they, they, did, they were in darkness. So this darkness that comes to the children of darkness that do not have the truth. So, these people that were in, in, the, in the bands of, of, of darkness, they're not demons. They're human beings that have fallen into human bodies. There are some angels that refuse to have uh, to, to be as it describes in the 12th chapter of Romans, the opportunity uh, for salvation. They refused it because of their fear. Some of them became demons. But not all the angels that fell became demons by any means. By any means. <clears throat> Peter 2 2 Peter 2.4 For if God spared not the angels that sinned, and their sin was called a folly, but cast them down to hell. Someone says, see, they're in hell. Well, look up the word and find out what the word hell there means. It doesn't mean the same thing that it means where it says hell in most of the other places of the Bible. It means Tartaru, which is incarceration as cords and bands and chains.
Thus the spirit angel of man is bound in the physical body or Tartaru until the day of judgment and delivered unto those chains of darkness to be reserved. They're being reserved to judgment. That's where you are. You're in these cords, as it says in Colossians, these cells of of darkness, fleshly darkness. You're being reserved in it, though. Wow. People that have sinned, like with Balaam. Well, there's so much more to get onto that. But Psalms 103.20 has a hope for us. Bless the Lord, ye his angels. He's talking to the humans. That excel in strength and that do his commandments and hearken in the voice of the Lord. Psalms 82.6-7 I have said you are gods. Gods, as it is used here, is also synonymous with angels. There are different times for the, the words have been used in exchange. And all of you are children of the Most High. But, if you go on just being a human, if you go on believing that you can't be delivered, you'll die like men. And you'll fall like one of the princes who was Lucifer. Jesus in John 10, 34-35 said, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are God's? And he called them gods into whom the word of God came, and the scripture can not be broken. You can't take that out. You can't change that. You can't break that. You can preach it any way you want, but that doesn't mean it'll be the truth. The Lord's the God of the living and the dead. No, the Lord's the God of the living. And not the God of the dead. <laughs> Matthew twenty two thirty two. And the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thy enemies thy footstool. There's a great deliverance that is coming. A great deliverance. Okay, let's get into Matthew twenty four. We have so much to cover. So much. Let's see if we can reiterate a few things. I have to move at a good move. First, let's get it straight, the topic. Chapter 24, verse 1, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. His disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? I wasn't talking about. Aliens? Flying saucers? No. It's talking about the temple. Is it talking about 2012? No. It's talking about the temple. Is it talking about the end of the world? No, it's talking about the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? They're right at the temple. There shall not be left one stone upon another. That's built out of stones. That's what, the, that's what the Romans did. They, they threw down the stones. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us when all these things, which things? The things about the temple. And what shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? And 
And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Does that sound like something we read in Second Thessalonians? For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Someone says, well, you know, that's not me. I don't claim that I'm Christ. Well, you claim you're a Christian. And that, that, that means like Christ. So you need to think about when you get up there and you start preaching the false word. You're claiming to be a Christian like Christ. You need to think about it. That you're not pre preaching, you know, and coming in, in the name of Christ. I'm a Christian. You're coming in the name of Christ. You get up there preaching the false word. Get people all worked up and full of fear, full of anxiety, having nightmares, can't think straight. Because you're not teaching the peace of God that passes all understanding. You're not talking about the Prince of Peace. You're just on one subject. Destruction, death, and hell. You're going to hear of wars. You're going to hear of rumors of wars. See to it. See that you be not troubled. I preached this last week. I've got to hit this again so that we don't miss the whole continuity. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. The end is not yet. Repeat that with me two times, three times. The end is not yet. The end is not yet. The end is not yet. It's not, it's not the end. You're going to hear of, <coughs> of wars. You're going to hear of rumors of wars. <coughs> Do not be troubled. Last week I said, and I say it again this week, are you troubled? Are you troubled? Were you troubled over the war in Egypt or the revolution in Egypt? Are you troubled over, you know, the destruction of the, of the end of the world and all that kind of stuff that people are preaching about? Are you troubled? Then you, you are not obeying the word of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, don't you be troubled about that. There's always going to be wars and rumors of wars. Don't be troubled. That's not what the end is about. Now, there's going to be nation rising against nation, kingdom against, against kingdom, kingdom, and there will be famine and pestilence and earthquakes. Some people say, oh, my, this earthquake. Well, let me show you all these earthquakes that are happening. If they really took the time to find out, they'd find out that the earthquakes are just about the same uh, uh, you know, number as it's been. But regardless, it says here, there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Someone said, that's it, that's it. The Bible says that this is the end of the world when you see that. No, the Bible does not say that. The Bible says this is not the end. And then right here on that same verse that says there's going to be famine and pestilence and, and earthquakes and direst places, it says all these are the beginning of sorrows, not the end. Anyone that's teaching you that that means it's a sign of the end, they are teaching false doctrine. They are not teaching the Word of God. They are not teaching the words of Jesus. That is not true, not true, not true, not true, not true. It is not Bible. And then he told him, he said, now some things are going to happen to you personally, because they went to Jesus privately and was just a little group of, of disciples. He said, you know, you're going to be hated by all kinds of nations for my name's sake. And many of you will be offended and 
shall betray one another and hate one another. Now, the church did turn against the church. <clears throat> many false prophets will rise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. Wow. Wow. The truth needs to be preached, though, it says, into all the kingdoms. And I, I, I preached on that last week and won't repeat that again. Verse 15, When you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, <clears throat> there is a connection to Daniel, there is a connection to Daniel, there is a connection to Daniel in all of this. Whosoever readeth, let him understand. Don't just go off preaching this thing and you don't even understand what you're talking about. Now, there's going to be an event happen, and it's going to be connected to the thing that makes the abomination of desolation. And what's going to make the abomination of desolation? The destruction of the temple. The, the, the desecration of it and the, and, the, and the breaking down of the stone walls and the burning of it is going to be the des is going to be a desecration and, and, and it is also going to be the abomination that make it desolate. Now when you see that happening, that's going to be the sign for the few of you that can escape the armies that are there to destroy and, and, to dis and that are breaking down the temple and setting it on fire and, and all of that. That is going to be your time. Right then, when, the, when the, the army of the enemy is focused on the temple, wanting to see all those, those gold items they're expecting to see in there, then if you're, if, if, if you're on top of the mountain, or pardon me, on top of the house, verse 17, don't come down. You don't have that much time. Just, just run for your life. If you're in the field, just run for your life. And while you, before this happens, you have a chance to pray that, because this is going to happen, but you do have a chance to pray to say, well, God, if this is going to happen, and if I'm going to have a child at that time, just don't let it be in the winter or on the Sabbath day. Oh, you mean this could happen on a day, like a Sabbath day, a day? Well, it's talking about the desecration of the temple. That happened in a day. That's your time. You've got to get out. For then shall great tribulation. And I explained to you last week, if you look at Mark thirteen nineteen, it's the same scenario, the same scripture. And the word that was used there was affliction. <clears throat> and that is the more correct word that should be used there. For then shall be great affliction, as was not since the, the beginning of the world to this time, nor shall ever be. Because this was this affliction was the abomination of desolation that it, that had never happened in the same way. It had never happened to the to the te to the temple. Not like that. Not the same way. Something something different about it. Now, except those days be sh shortened. <clears throat> If the, if the Roman army was allowed to just stay there for a long, long time, there, would, there wouldn't be you know, any of the people left alive. They took 30,000 people of Israel and, made, and sold them as slaves in Rome. 
and except the days were shortened, but you know, they were called. They were they were called back, and and the days were shortened. And that was done for the elect's sake. If anybody says to you, "Hey, here's Christ," or "There's Christ," don't believe it. You know what's going to get you into all this trouble? Because you're going to have people that you're calling the Messiah, and they're teaching and they're doing the things that people wanted me, Jesus Christ, to do when I was on earth, he's saying. The things that they wanted me to do, they wanted me to be involved in war against Rome. But I, I didn't preach that or teach that. I said, pay unto Caesar was, render unto Caesar, Caesar what's due to Caesar, and unto God what's due to God. I taught it differently. But they wanted someone that, that would say, let's destroy Caesar, let's destroy the armies. And, and they hadn't counted the cost. Bible says, don't go out here and build a house. These are the teachings of Jesus. If you haven't got the means to finish it, it'll mock you. And that's what happened. Those people that were thought to be messiahs, they rejected the cornerstone. They took the, them, those false messiahs. Those are the ones that led them to the destruction of Israel and the desecration. And the desecration and the abomination of desolation to the temple. Now, <clears throat> when they start saying to you, Behold, he's in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he's in the secret chambers, believe it not. We have the scripture, I read it to you, that he has been received up, he's been received into heaven at the Father's house, where he's going to stay until. The restitution of all things. It's Bible. Now you have Jesus in your heart by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus, as the corporate body, is not coming back until the restitution of all things. <clears throat> According to, as I read you in the book of Daniel. Wow. But when he does come, he's going to be coming in the speed of light and faster. Verse 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth into the, east, the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. That's how you're going to, he's going to come. That's how he left. And I, I ministered to you on this last time. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Not vultures, eagles. There they'll be. This is the Roman army. The eagle, the eagle was the symbol of the Roman army. The, the Roman uh, army soldiers used to carry these, these, these placards on a, on a post, placards on a post that had the eagle on it. That was their symbol. And wherever they were, that's where, as the Bible translates this word, carcass sometimes into to ruin or bodies, dead bodies, Wherever the eagles were, that's, that's where the dead bodies of the Jews were. Verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Immediately. Well, the Bible says in John 6.21, that Jesus was out walking on the water. <clears throat> he went into the ship. And immediately it was to the other side. 
Well, if you check out some of your translations, you'll find that they changed a lot of of the verses from the Greek uh, Strong's Concordance 21-12. They changed it to 21-17. 21-17 was the root of the word for 21-12. And immediate wasn't the first verse, uh, first word in there either. Because the whole idea was, was uh, it, it carried in it as soon as, or soon, the word soon. And um, it, it, um, it's the same as 2117, which basically means by and by, not immediately. That is a wrong, incorrect, translated word. Immediately is incorrect. By and by. By and by. Now I want you to hear this. You know, I want you to hear this. I want you to listen to this. This is so important. So important. Immediately. No, by and by, after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened. That's the word of God. And the moon, the church, the temple, will not give her light. And stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens be shaken. And the stars, what's that talk, talking about? Well, it's talking about the people that were due for re-engeneration of the Ophanims that were totally put into a different plan because the temple of God was now desecrated and had become an abomination of desolation. These stars are talking about people. They're not talking about they're not talking about actual stars falling on earth. And as I said last week, if you believe that, you need to go back to school totally. Totally go back to school. Start over. If you think the sun, which is a star and it's a small one, could land on the earth, then you need to go back to school. This earth would fit <clears throat> hundreds of thousands of thousands of thousands of thousands of times into the sun. So that verse is different and completely different than what the parable of it says. Unless you understand the symbolism of the parable. It doesn't mean the actual sun. It doesn't mean the actual moon. It doesn't mean actual, actual stars. And it doesn't mean immediately, but it means in the by and by. Wow. Let's go on here. Then shall the then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the earth you know the sign. Not the Son of Man. Then is going to appear the sign. 
So something's going to happen. This immediate isn't just all of a sudden God coming. It's the sign of the Lord coming. Now in the by and by, and eventually, verse 31, And he shall come, and he shall send his angels. Angels are imperative, ladies and gentlemen. They are imperative. And come with a great sound of the trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of the heaven to the other. That's what it said in the first topic verse of, of chapter 24, verse 1. You know, or pardon me, um, when it was talking about, uh, I should have said in Second Thessalonians, chapter 2, first verse, the gathering unto him. Wow. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branches yet tender and pulleth, putteth forth the leaves, you know the summer is, li- is nigh. So likewise, when you shall see these things, no, it is, it is near you and at the door. Verily, this generation shall not pass till these things be fulfilled. I, I gave the interpretation of that. This nation will not pass. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words shall not pass away. The things he's prophesied about, Jerusalem, Judea, it's going to still happen. Nothing can stop it. Verse 36, now get a hold on to this. But of that day, And our knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only, of that day and that hour. Now, that day, according to the Bible, a day of the, uh, with the Lord is a thousand years. A day is a thousand years. Are you hearing that? One day is a thousand years. then what would an hour of a thousand-year day be? Well, it would be 41.7 years. Just an hour would represent 41.7 years. So if we're talking an hour, we're actually talking 41.7 years. Well, well, what, what hour is it talking about? Well, we we know the hour. Someone says, well, you know, you can't know the hour, but since no man knows. Well, when the hour is forty-one point seven years, we can know that period of time, but we don't know within that forty-one seven years which aspect of time within that. 41.7 years is the time that God will come. But we, we know the hour and we know the day because it tells us. Look at chapter 25. It's talking about the coming of the Lord to the ten five wise and, and five foolish virgins. And it says in verse 6, And at midnight there was the cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. 
at midnight. Now midnight is that strange time when it's neither more it's neither day nor it's night. It's at that very unusual place. But that's when it says that he's coming. He's coming at midnight. That's what the Bible says it right there. That's when he's coming. And midnight is the end of the day and the night. It's the end of the day and night. It's getting ready to start a new day. The minute it moves off of exact midnight, it starts on to a new day. And the hour before that, if we're talking a thousand uh, years as a day, the eleventh hour before that is 41.7 years in length. And obviously, he's going to come at midnight at the end of time. At the end of time. At the end of this, all this whole mess. So you people that are looking for him to come before, well, he's always coming. And he's always leaving. And so he came and took up Enoch. He came and took up Elijah. He took up Jesus. Ezekiel had his experiences of being taken up, although he came back down. So what are we saying? What are we talking about here? We're saying yes. There, there will be, uh, there will be persons here and there, groups here and there, some that will be taken, like like the sons of Enoch, the offspring of Enoch, the daughters and sons of Enoch were taken, taken to the father's house. Before the flood. They were never in any danger of the flood because they were all part of the plan to be taken out before the flood. But there were eight people that were saved by the flood right during the flood by being alive on an ark that could survive the flood. Wow. Wow. So when people are saying... Um, he's coming soon. He's coming soon. Most of those people don't understand what they're singing. They don't understand what they're talking about. Sure, the Lord is always coming into our hearts, and that is soon. But in the language of the angels, which the Bible says in Corinthians, you know, we'll speak with the tongues of men, but we'll also be able to speak with the tongues of angels. And when you get to that place... <coughs> Excuse me. Where you can understand the tongues of angels, and you begin to speak in that that new language that it talks about in Zephaniah, you'll be talking and understanding things that that a thousand years is a generation. And this whole thing that keeps coming up about generation—that's what that's about. And and it clearly it clearly tells us. The deal that was made with Abraham, it tells us it's very, very clear. 
And we're going we're gonna to read it right now, and I've read it to you before. Psalms 105. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are, are in all the earth. He hath remembered His covenant forever. He hath remembered His covenant. What covenant? The word which He commanded to a thousand generations. Which covenant He made with Abraham and to His, to his uh, oath and His oath unto Isaac. And confirm the same unto Jacob for a law to Israel for an everlasting covenant. A thousand generations. Wow. And first, uh, and chapter 90 in verse Psalms says, For our days are passed away in wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years. And ten, that's seventy. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years. So what we have, ladies and gentlemen, we have a thousand generations of seventy or eighty. That is seventy to eighty thousand years. And that's the covenant, and that is what's confirmed in Galatians. Turn over there and read chapter 3 and 4 in Galatians. It is confirmed as still in evident still in act, active uh, placement. And that's this, this whole revelation of, this, of the 72 weeks that it speaks about in Daniel that I read to you, chapter 9. That's all part of the time, times, and the dividing of the times. Well, what is the dividing of the times? Well, the dividing of the times is what it says in the 25th verse or pardon me, the 25th chapter of, of Matthew, where it says that the Lord is coming at midnight. That is the dividing of the time. That's neither night, neither day. So you got the times, the times, and the dividing of the times. Wow. Are you listening to this Word of God? Are you hearing this Word of God? Wow. Verse 36, chapter 24, Matthew. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, nor the angels in heaven. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah, before the flood, they were marrying and drinking and giving in marriage, and so forth. Noah entered the, heart, the ark and knew not till the flood came. Then... Verse 40, two shall be in the field, one taken. Two women grinding at the mill, one taken, one left. People call this the rapture, and that's okay. That's an okay word. But what's it talking about? It's connecting that with verse 31. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of the trumpet. They shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other. It's not just going to be Judea. It's all over the world. He's got people. That's why the what they call UFOs, which are ziths, are all over the world, seen everywhere. They're a sign of the coming. He gives signs of his coming to every generation. The generations of generation of life. Someone says, oh, a generation is only 20, 30 years. Yeah, that's a family generation. But a generation of life is the longevity of that life. That's 70 or 80 years given at that time in the Bible. And we've got a thousand of those. 
which is 70,000 generations, because a day of the Lord is a thousand years. Someone says, I just can't believe that. I've been preached to all this time that, that you know, that the end of the world is almost here. And Yeah, they've been, they've been saying that, going way back to right after the resurrection of Christ. <clears throat> they couldn't get it straight then. They, they had a problem. They couldn't even remember that Jesus says, I'll meet you in Galilee after the resurrection. Had to have an, an, an angel come and had to have the, the Holy Spirit and the Lord tell him. Ladies and gentlemen, let's listen to the Word. Let's listen to the Word of, of, of Jesus Christ as He speaks and of the Holy Ghost as, as the Holy Spirit speaks. The Bible says in Isaiah that we are going to plant the heavens. We've got a job to do. We're going out into space. We're going out into time. We're going to be involved in the universe. There's going to be an incredible advance of science and knowledge. And there's going to be a great new structuring of, of the people of God, of their minds, of their capabilities, of their powers. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There will always be that, just like there will always be the poor. But don't let it trouble you. And don't let anybody else out there tell you you should be troubled, because that's false. That's not of God. That's not the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach that. It doesn't take one scripture and turn it against another scripture. It's all saying the same thing. And as it was in the days of Noah, it happened. Well, who, how did it happen? Well, that was Enoch and his offspring that were taken up. It happened then, and it's going to happen again. There's going to be people taken up. Wow. Wow. Someone says, well, what should we do? Should we just be, you know, I don't feel like I can even work a job. I, I, I just feel like he's going to come any minute, any second. And that's not the teaching of Jesus. That is not the teaching of Jesus. Jesus taught to go out there and get your job, to go out there and... It's right in the Word. I've quoted the Scripture many times. He taught, you know, you have to make a living. You have to do what you have to do. You go out there and you do it. And it says right here, there'll be two in the field. What are they doing in the field? Just standing there gazing? No, they're out there working. And the one that was in the field that wasn't taken... wasn't failed to be taken because it was in the field because the other person that was in the field also working was taken. Taken right while he's out in the field working. And two women were grinding at the mill. And they weren't, they weren't refused because they were grinding at the mill, but one was taken and one was not because one was a child of light and the other was a child of darkness. But working didn't stop them from being taken. Watch therefore, for you know not what the hour of your Lord doth come. Oh, that's not what people think. It's talking about this this interpretation, this revelation I'm teaching to the, you today. Watch, because you don't even understand this teaching about the coming of the Lord. It's not like what you're thinking at all. It's a false teaching, and what it does is it cuts off the plan of God. 
It cuts off the plan of God to be universal, to go out into all into space. That our children and our children's children and ch children are going to be involved in that. Those 70,000 years are what is described as Abraham, Abraham's bosom time. Wow. And there will be some people saying that uh, in verse 48 that the Lord's delayed is coming. Well, that's the thing that's going to be caused for people to start believing when time after time after time you get these false rumors and you get these false fears. Oh, this is going to happen. 2012 is going to do it. There's a fellow that wrote a book. He gave a date. He said, this is going to be it. Christ is going to come. It didn't happen. He sold millions. Well, I don't know about millions, but he sold a lot of books. And there's people out there involved in that. And I'm going to read that to you in just a little bit. It said, if my, if, verse 48, And if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delays his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him in an hour that he's not aware of. He's not going to get the truth revealed to him. But let's listen how this says. And shall cut him asunder. Well, someone says, well, God's going to just cut those people right in two. He's going to cause some horrible accident that's just going to sever their heads or sever their body. Oh, no, that's not what it says. That is not what it says. That's not what asunder, asunder means in this place. Because what's he, he's going, it says, and shall cut him asunder and shall appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's still going to have a portion. He's not just talking about what's left in his well. Verse 20, chapter 25. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps, went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five of them were foolish. Don't tell me, ladies and gentlemen, don't tell me that there are not people out there under which the kingdom of heaven is likened that are virgins. They've kept themselves in that state. They've got lamps. They believe in the coming of the bridegroom. But nevertheless... Regardless of all that knowledge they've got, there's five of them that are wise and five of them foolish. Regardless that they've got that knowledge, regardless that they're in the church, regardless that they're preaching certain things. There's some of the people in the church that are wise, some of the people in the church that are teaching these things that, that are foolish. Let's read some more. Verse 4, But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps, while the brood... While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. There's nothing wrong with getting your sleep. They all, the wise slept, and the and and the the foolish slept. There's nothing wrong with that. And at midnight, there was a cry made: "Behold, the bridegroom cometh; go you out to meet him." Now they all woke up. The, the foolish woke up, and the five five foolish and the five wise woke up. Sleeping didn't 
didn't mess them up. They still were able to when hear the, hear the call. The foolish heard the call. Then all those virgins, that's all the ten, arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. Wow. Now remember verse 6. And at midnight there came a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. And all the virgins arose. Now, you would think they would say, Okay, we're going to have to go out here somewhere to, um, to, to, to find uh, where this, uh, this holy ship has landed that's going to take us, rapture us out of here. And you would think that the foolish virgins would have said, well, our lamps don't have any oil, but there's five of you. So how about we'll just walk along with you? And we'll, we'll be able to find the way by following you. We'll walk with you in your light. We'll get there. Why didn't they say that? Well, they were foolish to begin with. They want their own light. It's an interesting thing that when people are brainwashed into a way of thinking, that they can read the Scripture. They can read in Matthew 24, when you, when, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places, and they're going to read that and say, it's the end of the world. Even though it says in there, this is not the end, and don't be troubled, this is the beginning, they are going to read it the other way. Because that's how they've been taught it. So, here's what you've got. There were all, they were all virgins, all ten of them. They all had lamps. They all slumbered and slept while the bridegroom tarried. Four, they all knew about the bridegroom. Five, they all heard the call. When the call came and said, at midnight, and said, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. They all heard it. Wow. Wow. They all believed that word. And they didn't have oil in their lamp. And they went out to buy. Now, the oil, to me, is the anointing. And their anointing had waned. It was just out. Because they had been buying in the religious circles the salesmanship that is going on and all the paraphernalia that is being sold. They've been out there buying all those things because they're looking for these answers in, in those books that are telling the same things over and over and over. That's full of fear and woe and consternation. That doesn't belong to the to the to the Prince of Peace. And they're going back out to to to, to verify their anointing. 
from those religious people that are selling that gospel. And while they were gone, the Lord came. And they got something. They filled their lamps. I mean, they got, they got something. They, they, got, they were anointed with something. It filled their lamps. And they were able to actually find, according to the Bible here, they were able to find where the Lord was with the five wise virgins. And they afterward came, verse 11, saying, Lord, open us. But he answered and said to them, I, don't, I know you not. I don't know that anointing you have on you. I don't know that teaching you have on you. I don't know those false things that's a delusion that you are believing in that is not the Word of God. That has brought foolishness against the Word of God. That's made, a, that's made fools out of the prophets and out of the Word of God. I don't know you. I don't know that doctrine. I don't know that anointing that you're using. And he would not open to them because he said, I don't know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. Wow. Are you listening to me, folks? Are you hearing the Word of God? I'd like to have um, a th- a number three angel imperative. Because next week I want to get into the um, the number of this trillion angels and the fall and the teachings of the manifest about the 666 billion angels and then the which were the two-thirds within the one-third and then the one-third that elected to take bodies, but the two-thirds that did not elect, that didn't mean they're lost yet. But it just means some very interesting things. And I, I want to reveal Scripture for all of this in a, in a most amazing, absolutely astounding way that will just cause you to stand up if you're see, sitting down when you hear this word. It's just absolutely a beautiful, absolutely exciting, stimulating, wonderful time. All the scriptures do not say the same thing. In the book of Deuteronomy 32.89, the Septuagint says that scripture quite a bit different from the, from the King James and other Bibles. It says, When the Most High divided the people, He dispersed the sons of Adam. And he set the bounds of the, the people, the nations, according to the number of the angels. We want to talk about that number of the angels, you know, next week. And how important, what an imperative this revelation about the angels is. We want to talk about how that um, in Chronicles 21.1 and 1 Samuel 24.1, there seems to be like a, a conflict uh, one part of it is calling it the angel of the Lord, and and the other calls it 
Satan. We want to talk about that and talk a little bit more about the war in heaven and all the and about the other sheep that that the Lord has. These are really absolutely important revelations that need to be talked about. We'd like to talk about the church of the firstborn, which is in heaven. Is that the the offspring of the of Enoch? That's the church which is in Artura? And what does that mean and where is that? And that's where the Bible says that the tree of life was moved to and where the Bible says that the Ark of the Covenant was moved to. It's certainly not going to be in the heaven of heavens because there are no materialistic things in the heaven of heavens, the first domain. But in the heaven of Artura, the Father's house, it is still a physical domain. I want to talk about that. I would like to also, you know, get into uh, other things. Lord willing, this scripture we quoted you out of Second Corinthians 4.8. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of uh, uh, of the power may be of God and not of us. How beautiful that is and how meaningful. And I would like to also go back into the laws of the universal covenant and uh, read you some more of these angelic laws which are the um, holy laws of the universe covenant. I'd like to go back into that. There is so, so much to cover. And it's so important. And I did not in any way wish to offend any of you people that have been taught and believed different. But I think it is time, it is past time. You need perhaps to get onto the internet and look up false prophets and see how among those false prophets some of the greatest church fathers are on their quote at making false predictions about the coming of the Lord and about the Antichrist and who he is who he isn't and how that those predictions did not come to pass and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those and people just don't even stumble over over it anymore. They just go on anyway. Yes, Janice playing This Is Holy Ground. What a beautiful song. I want to do some generative touch, which is abbreviated as Jin Tao. Generative touch. Generative touch. And I want to speak to your minds so your minds can be girded up. I want to deal with people with respiratory problems. I want to deal with people who are fighting influenza. People who are, are troubled by bronchitis. Perhaps even pneumonia, maybe even emphysema. And people who are fighting, as a result of those things, fatigue. Some of you people, God loves you so much. 
and you have you have suffered you have suffered more than your share and it's time for your deliverance God wants to deliver you God wants to set you free God wants to bring you into a fullness of deliverance hypothalamus to the pituitary pituitary hypothalamus to thyroid to the neurotransmitters of the brain. Hypothalamus to the pituitary to the lymphatic gland system to the hormone messenger system to the thyroid. To those who have hormone disruption in their body because their hormones are all out of context to the laws of nature. Begin to send messages into the body to reorganize these conditions. Those needing serotonin, those needing testosterone, those needing any of the other list of hormones begin to send out those hormones through the neurotransmitters begin immediately to send these messages those that are in pain begin to send dynorphine into their bodies to relax their nerves to eradicate their pain. Begin through the hypothalamus to regulate the release of hormones through the pituitary. So there is a complete regulation of the hormones. Those that are low on dopamine begin to release to them the dopamine that they need. Those with these conditions that I have mentioned begin to release into the body from drawing on the liver and drawing on the various aspects of other organs. Vitamin B2, vitamin B4, and vitamin B6 begin to create this and release it according to the need of the body into the body. Begin to release attentions to the receptors that are connected to a hormone specific use. Begin to target those cells in the body that are the white blood cells to begin to move and to swarm through the body to bring deliverance to those who are fighting these diseases. Those who need medicines that have a natural capability 
to be created within the body, such as even penicillin from the liver, from the memory cells, begin to create whatever portion is needed to deliver these people from the inflammation that is in their bodies. Begin to inject this into the blood system to eradicate and destroy the invasive germs. Begin to deal with the conditions that are causing the flu. Although these are like viruses, begin to deal against them by using unknown capabilities within the body that can also fight the viruses by loosening them begin to create the histamine that would be needed for various parts of the system of the body if there's any inhibitors if there's any blockers to any of these things that have been said cancel those inhibitors and blockers cause the the system of the body to be energized those that are having fatigue problems allow small portions of adrenaline to strengthen them but not over excite them Hypothalamus pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid. Balance the cholesterol level. Balance the high blood pressure level. There's any inhibitors or blockers or messages anti this, they are canceled. Amen. God bless you, dear friends. We're so happy to be here with you. We hope you like our new broadcasting system. And this is not the end of what is going to be done as to advancing this cause. We want to thank you few people who have helped us with some of our finances for this. Although we are a long ways off from covering the expenses, God knows, and we leave it in the hands of the Lord. We do love you. God bless you. Good night.